Yes, folks, it's 3 p.m. Pacific. I'm Fred McMurray, but this is not Pillars of Franchising. This is Community Voice Chat. with my co-host, special co-host, Clive Gray. Clive, how you doing, my friend? I feel special, Fred. You should. <laughs> Ain't many people I share a camera with. That's right. I don't know what to say. I sit in awe of the man with the hat. Okay. <laughs> our special guest, because it appears we've lost our second guest, is Keikai Kealoa. Did I get it right, Keikai? You sure did. Aloha, yeah. Fred. Hi, Clyde. Hello, Kekai. Good to see you virtually. Thank you. <laughs> virtually. In the tunnel. It's a virtual pleasure. <laughs> so, folks, now that you can see us all, the and, and for those of you watching live, you'll be able to see that we're missing one of our guests, Mike Stewart. We don't know what happened to him. Hopefully he was not overwhelmed by a pack of uh, PC or something like that. One never knows with technology. So we're ta- this is community voice chat. So we're talking about talking with our community voices and Keikai, you recently wrote a blog post about what if it's okay to say no, tell us a bit about it. So the, the uh, muse or the inspiration for that piece uh, as a small business owner or a solopreneur, uh, many times we start off, you know, trying to drum up business and in a mode of, well, I've got to take everything or else I won't survive. And I think the better question sometimes to ask is, in addition to us starting our own business, is because, yes, we want to make money, but also at some point we've decided that we want to do things a certain way. We want to work with certain people. And an opportunity came up to say, maybe it's okay to say no because it's not a right fit and be okay with the fact that I don't have to accept everything that comes knocking at the door and that I have free will to kind of check it out and see whether or not it hits all my boxes of what I enjoy doing, who I enjoy doing it with, and whether or not in the big picture, it actually satisfies kind of my core personal goals. Okay. So first comment is great hat. I love it. Thanks for being in the mood. Um, No one told me about hats. Yeah, 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 yeah. No one told me about hats. Weiner. Weiner. <laughs> so, or as we'll say. Thank you for pressing the self-destruct button. This ship will self-destruct in three minutes. So, when was the, um, I think everybody that's been in business for a while ends up learning that you got to say no at times. And um, what was, without naming names, um, 
Tell us about the first experience you had where you went, yeah, this is a disaster if I do this. It was, uh, I guess it was, it was towards the end of last year, maybe September, October. And um, I was presented with an opportunity to do some writing, which hit a box for me. Um, but initially when I was uh, given the opportunity, there was a tinge in my, you know, at the, at your, in your belly, not understanding why I was feeling like instead of being ecstatic because I've been wanting to kind of cultivate my writing uh, is okay. Well, just listen to that, that annoying thing that's in the belly. You don't know why it's there, but move forward, you know? So initially I met with uh, the prospective client and we had some really nice dialogue and I, I think I got what she was trying to do or what she wanted to try and accomplish. And it would have allowed me to do uh, my part of it virtually, which in my business, um, I'm trying to uh, do more work where I can balance between in-person and things I can do behind the scenes. So writing is definitely one of those items. And then as we got into our discussion, it was clear that as much as she wanted something to be written for her, um, she wasn't ready to commit to the time that it takes for someone to write on her behalf. And, um, and it, you know, it's not to say that at a later date, but when you're looking at kind of her world, she's doing a lot of really incredible things. And so this is one thing that she had in the back of her head, but many times, even as much as we want it, that uh, when we're not ready to truly do it in the right way at the right time and with the right people, it's not necessarily the right thing to do at this time. And for me, that's the conclusion I came to that, um, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it happened. Clive, what about you? What was that first time you realized, oh, my God, I do not dare take this gig? Well, actually, the first time was I did take the gig, and that was the learning experience. And uh, in the early days, uh, my very first business was just a little handyman service. And, uh, you know, I was willing to take any work that came along just out of uh, hunger, I think. And... Uh, <laughs> And what it was was hanging a door, but it, I didn't realize it was a fiberglass door. And it was a whole different animal than a wood door. And normally a wood door would take me maybe two hours to hang. And I charged my, you know, a hundred bucks or whatever. This thing took me about 10 hours to put up. And uh, I realized that I really need to not just be so anxious just to get the work. And fortunately through, uh, I had other businesses and later I was fortunate enough to realize that I can actually evaluate the client and the, uh, and to this day now, what I do is I sit down with the client, and uh, if we get along, then we're going to do business. Uh, but sometimes we're just not a match, regardless of the project at hand. Uh, and I realized that, you know, at this point in my life, and this about mid-career, I, I made this discovery, was that I want to enjoy the process. You know, obviously, I want to pay my bills and make money, but I want to enjoy the process as well, and I love my work. But if you have a client who is not happy 
regardless for whatever reason, they can ruin the entire project and you have to deal with that. And I found that many cases, if I took that on, I was being more of a psychologist than a builder. And uh, that was not fun because I'm not a good psychologist. I'm German. I'm hard-headed, and I'll tell you what to do with it. You know, so <laughs> indeed, indeed. So uh, uh, I am fortunate at this point that I understand that I can say no quite often. And just recently, uh, in this latest, latest venture I'm doing uh, with Rudy, uh, there was a, a building they wanted. They wanted to hand us the job. It was a lot of money, but what we saw going on was just not a fit for us at all, and we didn't want to deal with the issues that I saw coming down the road, so we declined it, and I felt quite good about it. So, KK, you were lucky. We'll bring in our second special guest, Mike Stewart, in a minute. Um, you were lucky that they were understanding because, man, I remember the – well, I don't know if it's the first time I said no, but the most memorable – I'd been on a two-hour call uh, at the beginning of the week, and that was just to go over um, the proposal, and we'd only gotten halfway through and the proposal, and I was like all week up and just churning in my stomach, and, and my partner, Michelle, and, and our bookkeeper, Heidi, said, you know, dude, if it's gotten you that, if you got that churned up, um, turn it down. And that Friday I got on the call and the guy starts to go into it. And I, I said, sorry, it was, um, we're not the right firm for you. And wow, was that one pissed off person? It's like, why couldn't you tell me that before? It's like, I'm thinking, I thought you'd prefer being told, you know, quote face to face until, instead of via email, but I guess I was wrong. Welcome, Mr. Stewart. So, How you doing, Fred? I'm fine. I think Clive, well, Clive's a big, um, I don't know. He doesn't look as good as a big his, what? his picture. <laughs> I used a better picture. So the question is, is um, tell us a bit about the first uh, potential client you told no. The first potential client I told no had to do with a project kind of similar to Clive where you're not told all the information going in. And I was told I just needed to tune a couple of things up on their computer network. And I went into their computer room and everything was a big ball of wires and everything. Every time you touched something, something you heard the speakers, all kinds of weird noises coming over their internet goes down. At that point, I just, I said, you know, you're going to have to find another vendor. The person that installed this just, just did not do a very good job, and I'm not the right fit for this project. And they were upset because they had paid for me to, to come out there and to do that, and they set up appointments and all that stuff. But when you walk into something like that and you know that you're going to spend way more time and they're going to hate you by the end of it, I don't even want to do it. Because it's not, it's, and, and being upfront with that with them, you just explain to them, hey, this is not the right fit for me. You don't go into all the details of it, but you save yourself a lot of headache and a lot of money. Indeed. Indeed. Clive, you got a question? Do I have a question? Yeah, a question for our guest. Well, put me on the spot, Fred. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Happy to do so. Well, in a way. Well, while you're thinking, Clive, uh, well, thank one you, of the, you know. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, actually, 
Fred, I got off a little easy because the fact that um, in my head, I said no, but the client, um, the client actually never came back around to as much as she said yes to her coworkers. She never came back around to me. So I'm not quite sure, you know, uh, whether it was good or bad, but I think the first step in saying no is that you, you're resigned to it in yourself that it's a good move for yourself before you actually blurt out the words. And so I'm not sure if I'm going to look forward to the first time I physically, you know, literally have to say no in front of somebody, but I probably mulled over it uh, a week or two week. Yeah. A, a thorough week going back and forth over why was I feeling awkward? Why was it giving me, you know, some angst? And I nailed down why. And then um, I was okay with saying no, which what, which is part of what prompted the piece. Because after I wrote the piece, then I knew I should say no. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you know, Kekai, that actually you inspired a question for me. And it was, it was actually not me, but a friend of mine. And he was in the music business back in Santa Barbara in the day. And he declined an offer. And uh, it was, later, everyone realized that he should have taken the job because he was a, a guitar player in a band and he had an opportunity to go down to Hollywood and actually break through into the business. And mm -hmm. because of his uh, insecurity, if you will, he chose not to. So I was curious if either of you have ever said no and then later thought, you know, maybe that was not the right decision. Um, I've actually had a couple of situations like that, but... Uh, it seemed like that in the beginning where when I said no and somebody else got the opportunity and they made a lot of money, but down the road, their reputation got destroyed by that same client. And so it, it did seem like I was passing up a gold mine, but down the road, it actually saved me uh, my, my reputation because they would have destroyed my reputation. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, in the, at the same point when I was, starting out, um, you know, kind of afraid that, well, well, if I don't bring enough money to cover expenses, I decided to take a part-time job and, um, and started doing that. And the part-time job was, you know, enough, I thought would be enough hours that I'd make sure I had food on the table. I had a roof over my head, but what it did is it didn't allow me enough time to develop what is now Aloha Check. Now, lucky for me, they, uh, we ended up parting ways sooner than later, which then, you know, the big guy upstairs saying, no, Kikai, you don't need to be working part-time. You need to focus, you know, 100, 200% into your, your, this idea that you've been cultivating over the last few months and now just go for it. So in as much as, I don't necessarily regret taking the part-time job. Taking it made me realize that if I was going to make Aloha Chicks a go, I could not do something else. And as much as it scared me to not have a steady flow of income, um, it was better for me to go two feet into the sandbox or two feet into the ocean and, and go for it, you know, 100%. And I haven't looked back since that time. So as much as I said yes to taking the part-time, it was very clear early on that um, 
I don't need to, I didn't need to do that. So. Yeah, for me, you know, I had a similar situation where um, I learned very early on. I'd have I've had one business, and and then I we I moved to another business where I had an opportunity to join a partnership. And then after the partnership was sold, uh, I started another business. But I built a second business to support the first. And I was in construction, so I got a real estate license and did an inspection service that would help feed business to the other business. And I realized that was really a great way to go because, you know, you don't just have a construction company and people come to your door. You know, people make that mistake. Oh, they have my license. All these guys would get their contractor's license, and they'd be sitting at home with nothing going on. I'm going, well, nobody knows you have your license. And they look it up, and they're not going to do that. They're, they're going to give ask for referrals. So I developed a second business and became a member of the Board of Realtors and then was able to funnel business through the other realtors to the construction company. And I realized ever since that's what I do. And it's like even today, I'm involved in three different ventures and they're all part time. But, uh, you know, it serves my needs and makes me happy. And uh, if one yeah. fails, you know, I'm always good. I mean, some people could go and drive for one business and make that your passion. But uh, I kind of like the diversity of it. it. It keeps my interest. I get bored easily. Maybe that's part of my problem. Okie dokie. On that note, we'll take a, a quick commercial break. Uh, Want to tell people hanging out on the website, uh, you can hit the chat button and we'll uh, ask questions and we'll ask our uh, our guests on what they are. I want to thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting our show. You can also uh, call in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine.com. Thanks, Michelle. You gotta, we got to send you some voice classes. Get you to talk about her. her voice is fine. That was great. <laughs> I know who right, sits so. on the couch tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what else is new? Uh, I'm a happy person. I'm a happy person. So let's let's move on to what we've been kind of talking about saying no is a form of in some ways difficult effective communication. So, Mike, what are the five keys to effective communication? Well, the first thing is you want to make sure that you have your client's interest in mind, the other person's interest in mind, not just your own. So that's, that's, that's the first one. The other one is you want to make sure that, you know, you are um, communicating effectively so that they understand what you're saying. So that, that way that, 
when some, there's a misunderstanding, you're not keeping that inside. You're actually asking, well, what did you mean by that? So you're actually, there's this open communication uh, factor that you want to keep. Um, you want to keep that policy in mind so that you're listening and you're, and you're communicating effectively so that people understand exactly where you're coming from. And I'll give you an example. I, I used to do so many things where my, I would assume my wife would do something and she would like just sweep the floor and I'd come home and the floor wasn't swept and I'd be angry at her, but I wouldn't say anything. And then she'd confront me later on and go, well, why are you angry? I go, well, I thought you should have swept the floor. Well, you never asked me to sweep the floor, but we, we, we communicate that way and we have these things at, at our workplaces and at our homes that we think people know what we want them to do and we expect them to do things and they don't. And then we get upset, but we never ask them to do it. So the key, the key is to just have that, that policy of open communication and not be attached to whatever's said back. Interesting. Telling your wife she should have swept the, swept the floor and you think I'm sleeping on the couch? <laughs> you take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. <laughs> so, Kikai, jump in on yeah. the effective communications. What have you found in communicating effectively with people? Because you actually, amazingly enough, don't look like Clive and Mike and I. So I would assume that that's your good fortune. That's your good fortune, and you didn't, you weren't born in the Midwest, so you have a, a, a cultural aspect to communications that you understand better than, well, I guess I do now coming from Chicago to California. Because, With a little training, yes. Yeah, you've been wonderful. <laughs> uh, so um, I think uh, I don't, whether it's culturally or otherwise, uh, for me, the probably the first main ingredient is that um, definitely when I have, when I don't know them and it's the first time meeting them, uh, if they're coming through someone I trust and respect, then there's a level that we're, you know, we probably have some same similar core values, but I still like to meet them person to person because there's a lot that you get from uh, nonverbal communication and just the way they interact with you. So that's the first thing I like to, especially the first time that when I, you're getting the scope of work down, that you're meeting somebody face to face. The second thing is I, um, I learned that uh, listening is probably 90% of, of um, getting on the right page to be able to communicate well between each other. The third ingredient for me is a lot of this, um, they say something, you say something back to them so that they understand that you're both hearing the same thing and that those same words mean the same thing to both of us. So that back and forth and redefining or clarifying what we're saying is actually what we mean. And then... I find that also um, because we also respond and react to between verbal and written communication to then follow up with 
something that's in writing so that they, again, for the third time, feel like you heard them and that you're sharing uh, without surprises. And if there is a surprise, now they have an opportunity to say, oh, wait a minute, you know, uh, I don't remember, I don't remember us talking about this or, you know, I thought we said this, right? So it gives yet another opportunity to, to re-clarify how we understand each other. Um, so those things are important to me, especially on the first time I'm meeting someone. As you start working with people, I think um, like children, we start learning mannerisms. We start learning looks about how people, when something you know they don't like, they you know, whether it's rolling their eyes or they kind of look flush or they look petrified, or when they actually truly say, "Yeah, you hit it right on," and how they express that with. Um, energy and their body movements and their eyes and their expression. So that also goes a long way in developing communication between, you know, two parties. Wow, so I've been doing it wrong. I don't know how I move forward. Yeah. Well, maybe you have, Fred. I get in <laughs> fights with people yeah. the first time I meet with them. Uh, <laughs> but no, they both touched on points. And, and Mike started with the, the communication. Kay Kai elaborated, elaborated on it. And uh, number one for me, because uh, I'm an old school guy, and most of my contacts with clients is one-on-one, face-to-face rather than through electronic media. And uh, obviously, number one is listening. But the question is whether or not they truly believe you are listening, because sometimes you are listening and they don't perceive it as such. So the uh, and Kay Kai uh, touched on this towards the end. Body language is hugely important. And so when I meet with a client, the first thing I do is I try to read their body language. And uh, a lot has to do with, you know, are, are how close do they want to get to me? Are they looking at, are you looking them in the face? Are you uh, expressing warmth? Because, I mean, many times you walk in with a client. I used to do um, in-home sales for Sears way back in the day. And you're walking into someone's home you've never met. And, uh, you know, you, the first thing you want to do is acclimate yourself to their world. And to do so, I mean, you look around their home, it gives you an idea of who they are, whether it be a pet or how their interior decorating, you make a comment about it. And as soon as you do that, you can visibly see them relax because you're talking about something they're comfortable about. If you go right into a sales pitch or a product thing that they don't know anything about, they feel almost inferior at that point and a little bit off guard. But if you talk about their home, their pet, their kids, they immediately are the uh, more informed person and they're much more comfortable with you. Once you establish that, then you can slowly get into, okay, now this is why I'm here. And I don't, you don't go into, well, I'm here to sell you a tractor, for example, because I would sell <laughs> tractor home improvements, whatever. Um, but I just uh, uh, talk to them on, the, on how can I help you? Well, you know, why did you call me here? Uh, you know, what's going on that you feel you need my services and how can I help you? And another thing that I would do is I would generally reach over and if you're close enough, just touch them on the shoulder. Because if you, if they allow you to touch them, you've got it. You have now made a connection with them. They now feel like you are truly communicating with them. And then you can uh, go into your product line or whatever your, your business relationship is going to be. But again, you, you need to be careful. You need to always watch the body language as the KKI was mentioning, uh, you know, and make sure they always look relaxed, engaged, uh, you know, uh, it's very possible to oversell, you know, sometimes, uh, uh, if you ever watch shark tank, 
that's a big thing they'll do there. I love that show because they're trying to sell to these billionaires their business idea. And many times they go, you're overselling it. You know, what are the numbers? I know I already know what you do. Quit trying to sell me on an idea. And it's the same in any communication. That's the ultimate is the communication. So listening means watching your person. And if you're losing them as a person, they're starting to check out on you. It means you're overselling. So, you know, we're all getting back to communication is huge. What body language is really huge. I mean, if you pay attention to that, uh, nine times out of 10, you can deal with them. And it's not so much about always selling them something, but making that connection with them. And once you do that, they'll tell you what you really, what they really want, what they need from you. And then you can try to help fulfill their needs. That's quite wise. It's amazing that we're still friends, given that the first time we met, I got in a fight with somebody at the, the event. Well, I? did I mention that patience is required? Why does somebody want a patient? <laughs> oh, never mind, folks. No, no, that's what you become if you don't listen. I didn't listen. <laughs> I always make sure I got an edged uh, weapon somewhere to, close. Yes, no, I did. You did, and... Uh, you know, anytime you go to a new area, uh, you know, areas are different. I'd like Chicago to L.A. And, uh, you know, I worked in uh, California and in Idaho. In Idaho, you do not bring that California mindset to Idaho uh, because it will not work. Uh, they move at a slower pace. It's a different mindset. It's definitely more rural. And uh, there it's really about connecting as a friend. And sometimes you talk to somebody for, you know, quite a while before you can get into anything to find out who they are, what they do, how they operate. Uh, so, uh and the, um, conversely, if I was working in Idaho and I brought that mindset to L.A., it didn't work because they go, why do you move so slow? I, you know, we need to move this long. I got a meeting in an hour. Let's pick it up, you know, whereas you don't do that in Idaho. So This is the coolest thing I have ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in every show, we'll, we have the down the rabbit hole question, but we will not have that question yet. We have to show we will. Don't don't worry about that. Got a really cool graphic yeah. for it. So, but before, so since we are the community voices chat, um, to each of you, I pose the question: What is something somebody can do to improve the community around them? Whether it be the the local community, the county, the state, whatever your definition of community is, we'll let Kate Kai go first. But what is your what's the one thing you think if people did um, more of it would improve the community. Hmm. Uh, um, at least, you know, I'm, I'm new to this. I'm new to Sunless Abyssal, but I think in general, whether it's in Hawaii or down Los Angeles or Sunless Abyssal, I think um, many times we get into our own mind too much or we're so busy that we just don't actually kind of look up and we make pre pre assumptions. We make judgments before actually giving something a chance to be able to, uh, you know, be present and mindful and actually hear what someone's telling us, digesting it, not feeling like we have to kind of respond and, 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 give an answer, you know, within seconds after hearing the question. I think that uh, people just need to take a little bit more time to hear what's, what's being asked and, you know, formulate a thoughtful, present, considerate, respectful 
response. Ooh, respectful. Mike, <laughs> what about you? Well, what about what I think is best is if you're if you want to build a community, you have to get involved. You have to take action in some way, shape, or form. If it's a cause that you you say is important to you, volunteer in some way, shape, or form for that cause. Um, I see a lot of people complaining, but a lot of people don't have the. They're not even offering solutions. They complain about the problems, but they don't offer solutions, and they choose not to get involved. They stay on their social media and they're, they're, they stay safe rather than saying, how can I get involved in what you're doing and make a difference for our entire community? And by doing that, you, you are getting to know the other people in the community, their concerns, what's important to them. And when you get involved in that, then you're, you're building solid friendships and you have a movement going Ooh, Clyde, well, uh, Mike, you're on target there because uh, I actually have been involved with, uh, you know, the city, county, state and federal level. And I found that I'm more effective at the city and county level. Uh, and and the reason is, is, you know, your neighbors, you know, your friends. And Mike hit it right there. That the most valuable thing you can contribute is your time, um, you know, because you always need volunteers in any effort you have. Um, but uh, really starting at the community level gets you to know the people around you. You become more effective because think about it. You know, if you're trying to do something on the federal level, that's a huge uh, uh, task to take on. And I mean, not many of us are, uh, have enough political pull, if you will, or the finances to actually be that effective. I mean, you can sign up and you're one out of 100,000 or a million, whatever. Whereas on the community level, you can actually be a big fish in a small pond so to speak, and actually enact action. And uh, I've worked on several uh, community efforts around here where we've gotten initiatives on the ballot that got passed that actually affected the community. And as you affect your community, then you bring people with you so that when you want to go to the next level, say on the state level, you have a group of people you're going with. You're not fighting that battle by yourself. Um, you know, so I, I think that's a really, really stand, uh, great thing to do. And that happens a lot in, uh, you know, especially uh, social things, uh, social justice, trying to improve our environment, whatever. Uh, but it also works in business. You can actually affect change that is good for business. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that being said, um, for you guys, I mean, are there any things that have you seen in the community that uh, could be done or should be done to help enhance business and especially in California where it's so hard to conduct business sometimes because of all the regulations. Yeah, well, I think number one, it's, it's, you know, there's a, there's voting days coming up next month is, you know, um, is to check out the ballot, do your research and really look at what, um, what new um, things on the ballot are affecting small businesses. I was at a, uh, community meeting last week, and one of the things that they were talking about is businesses are leaving California in droves because and a lot of small businesses because they're being overtaxed and they're being overregulated, and that's how California was built on a lot of small businesses, and actually the whole, across the whole country, small businesses the majority of the income that's being generated today, and to punish them for being successful. <laughs> You're doing yourself a disservice for your county, city, state, because they'll find another place to go that they're welcome. Right. 
Yeah, and, yeah. and on on that note too, I found that I can get groups of friends to patronize a new business as it opens in the area. Small yep. mom and yep. pop business. And yeah, that's that's one thing we can do for our part to help them survive in the, what we call the big box world. Yeah. Okay, Kai. Well, uh, I think I I, I agree a hundred percent with. Um, with Mike, when you're talking about developing community or homestead, as I like to call it, is that that's one of the things I did early on in knowing that I wanted to share Aloha Chicks and myself the way I wanted to do it rather than just kind of going out and blasting social media or whatever it was in a way to get more of a footprint was that I wanted people to get to know me on a very organic a uh, very low key, uh, very kind of ABC way, so that as I started to serve my community, that they would get how I operate, what kind of person I am, um, uh, how I do things, uh, how I engage with people, how I support people, uh, so that when I would come around, you know, as they got to know Aloha Chicks, they'd say, oh, yeah, that's that cool chick. You know, she really works hard. Uh, she cares about what she's doing. She cares about the people she serves. Uh, you know, kind of all that backstory that happens when people can actually see you in the trenches, uh, see you do your thing, see you step up, see you be challenged, see how you respond to challenges, uh, see how you support the underdogs, see, you know, all of those kinds of things. So. Fair enough. Now it's time for the down the rabbit hole question. But before we do that, just want to uh, note that on Sunday nights from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. is Dan Zuba's A Road to Recovery on the Link Local Network. On Tuesdays from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time uh, is Life Hurts, God Heals. Obviously, today's Wednesday is Community Voice Chat. And Thursday, my favorite, 2 p.m. Pacific, is Pillars of Franchising, broadcasting the secrets of success in franchising, having lots of fun, and making people laugh. Now, we'll go down the rabbit hole. Down the rabbit hole. So, in the coming zombie apocalypse. Oh, yeah. Here we go again. In the coming zombie apocalypse, where do you think it will first start, if it hasn't already because of the coronavirus, and will mankind ultimately survive, and why? Who wants to jump on all three of the down the rabbit hole questions first? Well, I'll just come right in. It's like, I don't buy into zombies. I'm sorry. I just I don't know where to go with that. And yet you know, you've been to Los Angeles and San Francisco. I have. I have. Okay. Well, okay. those are mental pygmies. Uh, but <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't be facetious. But um, Being uh, facetious on the zombie apocalypse <laughs> question, I, I think it's kind of like yeah. given. Go ahead, Kay Kai, well, I, I or could, Mike, I jump say, in. I always love somebody thing. brave. The, the zombie apocalypse has been going on for years in Washington already. No, are you there, my friend? 
So that's yeah. that's nothing new. <laughs> Um, and I think uh, I think we're going to get through it. I think um, you know the the virus that's causing the zombies to uh, to replicate is going to be um, there's going to be what do they call it um, an antidote for that. And but I think it's going to take people to stand up and and for what they believe in, and to make their voices heard and to take personal responsibility for themselves on not sharing that that zombie virus or and um and being and being concerned for their fellow man and helping helping stop it immediately. I'm not sure zombies listen, but okay. I'll catch a slack there. <laughs> Go ahead, Kay, Fred, you're, Fred, you're gonna have to tell me what is a zombie virus? What what do you what is <laughs> It depends. Thank you. Thank you, Kai. I'm not the only ignorant person here. There are those who think the coronavirus coming out of China is okay. a potential uh, zombie zombie virus. Me, I think what's going to happen is, is that there's going to be a, a missile launch from Vandenberg Air Force Base that's shot down, or at least partially shot down by a North Korean missile sub that crashes into the uh, Diablo Canyon nuclear re- reactor, releasing oh a radioactive gosh. plume that... Um, infects all the cannabis that is being grown in California, thereby starting the zombie apocalypse. He, see, he's talking <laughs> literally about zombies. I don't buy it. <laughs> I told Whereas, you it's the down the rabbit agree, hole question. I agree with Mike. You know, they're like zombies in Washington, D.C. But <laughs> I think you know, that's Fred, Fred's dream to actually see a zombie. Yeah, that whole I just did. Day thing. <laughs> okay. So yeah, last no thought. zombie down, no yeah. no zombie down the gopher hole yeah. thing for me here. Yeah, that's that's not a gopher hole; it's a tar pit. It just takes you in, sucks you in, you can't move. What do I do with that? Last <laughs> last comments, Kate Kai. What do you want to leave our listeners with? Oh, um, I, I think much to what we started out our conversation <laughs> with, uh, yes. in talking about you know. Uh, uh, whether or not it's okay to say no in your lifetime. And I think that as we get more comfortable with who and what we are and why we're doing things, the the whole free will of no and yes can be pretty liberating. So those are my final thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to jump on board with that because it makes me realize I could have said no to the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, you couldn't, but that's okay. You couldn't. That's okay. But that's no, I had to sit next to the zombie king here. No, I'm the Area 51 king, but that's the same. Okay. Mikey, last thoughts. Well, I, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be a community voice and be able to get concerns shared in a, in a positive way and begin to, um, you know, help people live life in a way that they, can, they realize they can be successful in whatever endeavor they want to do. I mean, look at Clive. Clive was homeless at one point. You know, he, he, he worked hard and he made something of himself. And I think if, if we can help everybody realize that they have that capacity to do that, uh, that's what I try to do every day in my computer business. And I'm just launching a life coaching business too, in order to, to do that, to facilitate that and help people become more successful and realize that no matter what situation, they have the power to change it. All right. So on that note, before I ask Clive his last thoughts, I'll say if you're interested in becoming a community voice, go to link local, the linklocalnetwork.com website. 
Uh, there's a link. You can see our featured community voices. You can read Mike's columns, KKI's columns, uh, listen to old radio shows or past radio shows. Uh, it's become a community voice. Fill out the form, and uh, somebody will get back to you about becoming a community voice. Clive, last thought. I just wanted to say thank you for the opportunity. I like talking to other business owners and uh, even you, Fred. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I like it because that's how you learn uh, is talking to other people and getting ideas. And uh, I'm going to step one side to the left on here with politics. The big problem is if you really want to grow in politics, you listen to the other side because the ideas come from both sides. And that's true in every argument. It's not your way or the highway. There's, uh, and it's true in business. Uh, many of the tricks I learned are from people who failed and from people who were successful uh, mm -hmm. and people I didn't agree with. And uh, I found myself disagreeing with people and realizing they were pretty successful. I thought, well, you know, maybe I better rethink that. And, uh, you know, uh, so anyway, again, I, I appreciate the privilege to talk with you guys and uh, be on this really interesting venue. And on that note, I want to thank my special co-host today, Clive Gray, as well as our community voice guest, Kekai Kaloa, and Mike Stewart. And I got that those names right for once. I'm happy. We'll be back next week with a couple of new community voices to talk about what's going on in the community.